The UFC loves making money and big fights make money, but the big money-making fighters have to win in order for those fights to happen. That doesn't mean the UFC doesn't set up cards in hopes that all the pieces will fall into place though. And today we're going to look at 10 such events that on a single night, the stars aligned exactly as they needed to for a big time matchup. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, a huge thank you to our biggest channel supporters and our Hall of Famers, and these are 10 times huge fights lined up perfectly for the UFC. Number 10. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. UFC 199. Okay, there is absolutely no chance the UFC saw what this event would set up. It's truly the luckiest of entries on this entire list. 199 is of course famous for Michael Bisping's massive upset victory over Luke Rockhold for the middleweight title. A fight he took on very short notice and was in no way expected to win. But he did and wow, what a moment. The question though after that was, what do we do next? While there were a whole host of contenders ready to step up and fight for the gold, the UFC found themselves a perfect matchup because of something that would happen earlier on the card. By 199, Dan Henderson's title hopes were all but gone. He'd lost six of his last eight, and so Hector Lombard was a fine choice for a fight just to have. But Hendo had one trick left up his sleeve, and it was a vicious knockout elbow while standing on one leg that absolutely blew everyone's mind and earned him the performance of the night. Would you look at that? The old man still got it. Hey, we're gonna have Mike headline this Manchester card now that he's the champ. How about a UFC 100 rematch? This was an absurd set of circumstances, but you can't say that it didn't work out for the UFC. Number 9. UFC 146. Everybody was pretty surprised at the outcome of the first ever Fox event. Not that we thought Junior Dos Santos couldn't beat Cain Velasquez for the heavyweight championship, but nobody thought he would just decimate the man in about a minute. Given that the moment was probably the most watched up to that point in UFC history, a rematch if set up properly could generate a lot of buzz. And so on the night of Junior's first ever defense against Frank Mir, Kane was added in as the co-main event in a bout with the man who had defeated Fedor about a year previous coming in from Strikeforce, Bigfoot Silva. Heavyweight is an absolute crapshoot when it comes to fights going how everyone thinks they should, and so there were no guarantees here that a rematch would be happening for the UFC. Luckily for them though, Velasquez did his part earning a first round TKO over Silva, and JDS would do the same in the second round of his title defense, setting up a big old rematch that saw Kane regain the championship and become one of the pound-for-pound pound kings at the time. Number 8. UFC 227 When Demetrius Johnson refused a super fight with TJ Dillashaw at flyweight for a whole host of reasons, it looked like such a bout was dead in the water forever. Dillashaw mainly wanted the fight because his rematch with Cody Garbrandt had been delayed, and so he thought, hey, in the meantime, why don't I become a double champ? And there was just no way that Mighty Mouse was budging. With the winningest champion of all time heading into a rematch with someone he'd already beaten soundly, it didn't exactly look as if there was any chance that Johnson would lose, thus potentially opening up that opportunity again. Not to mention Dillashaw had his own worries now in defending against Cody. Well, that night would work out pretty damn well for the UFC because Cejudo would in a stunner take the strap from DJ and Dillashaw would retain as well, setting up a big old super fight after all to kick off their partnership with ESPN. Was it as big a deal as DJ versus TJ would have been? No, but it was a super fight that was actually possible 
and that's what they set up at 227. Number 7, UFC 34. This is kind of a weird one because if it didn't happen in 2001, surely Josh Barnett would not have next competed for the heavyweight title considering that on that night he tested positive for a banned substance. But back then you just got a warning and a shrug that boys will be boys. Barnett looked like he was the future of the sport at the time. By this point, the 24-year-old had only ever lost to Pedro Hizzo, the man who would be competing for a second time against Randy Couture for the championship on that night, and otherwise had amassed 11 victories. On the undercard, he would TKO Bobby Hoffman to set up a title challenge. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply which certainly would have worked if it would have been a rematch with Hizzo, but Couture was the established champion. And so, of course, that fight would have been a bigger deal. Luckily for everyone involved, Randy would defeat Pedro a second time, setting up this passing of the Torch heavyweight title fight, which would have been the case if Barnett didn't again pop for banned substances and this time actually face consequences, being stripped of the title he had just won. That and Randy would fight for another 47 years, but still a perfectly lined up big time fight. Number six, UFC 158. While everyone was excited for GSP to finally fight Nick Diaz in the main event, the champ was a massive favorite, and most fans didn't have illusions that Nick would come out on top. The next big competitor that fans did want to see take on the welterweight king, though, was Big Rig Johnny Hendricks. On a five-fight tear going into the event with a couple big-time KOs of Martin Campman and, more insanely, John Fitch in just 12 seconds, everybody thought if the collegiate wrestling standout could get a hold of GSP or touch him, that he might have a chance to win. There was just one problem, he would need to defeat former title contender Carlos Condit on the night in the co-main event, and Hendricks would do just that, earning two rounds on all three judges' cards to get a shot at GSP, who, as most assumed, dominated Diaz at the top of the card. The big showdown was set up, and nothing crazy happened when they fought, it was just a super uneventful and quiet evening. Number 5, UFC 284. This one's super interesting because the outcome of the main event here, even though it would end up being a loss for Alexander Volkanovsky actually ended up working out better than the UFC could have possibly ever predicted to set up his next fight. In the co-main event, Yair Rodriguez had his he's him moment when he submitted Josh Emmett in the second round, earning a performance of the night bonus, and finally, after what felt like millions of years, reached that championship level, something that so many had seen in him for so long. The problem would have been, though, if Alex had won the main event, which many fans felt he did. In fact, that next week, he would still be pound for pound number one, with the winner Islam sitting at number two. But had Volk officially won the lightweight title, there is no telling when or if he'd have defended the featherweight strap again, which is very much why Yair was fighting for interim gold. Instead, he loses but wins in the eyes of most, and now he can go back down and face this young, hungry contender and add to his featherweight legacy. There is no chance in hell the UFC thought that this is how things would go, but it did, and they are super lucky for it. Number four, UFC 207. What could make a story 
storyline about former teammates turned bitter rivals even more hot. A big old gold belt, of course. TJ Dillashaw, who in the last year had left Cody Garbrandt and the rest of Team Alpha Male behind to train with Coach Bang in Colorado, was public enemy number one back at his old camp. And the hope was eventually things would boil over into a major bout, because everybody loves some drama. The thing is, though, it being a title fight was pretty slim given the circumstances of UFC 207. Sure, many thought that Dillashaw was going to beat John Lineker, and he very much did, earning 30-26s across the board. But the thought that Cody G would be able to dethrone Dom Cruz later that night, I mean, it just didn't seem that realistic. Garbrandt had shot up to the marquee so fast, and Cruz was a legend. He'd always had Alpha Male's number. It just didn't seem like it could happen. Cut to Cody Pop locking his way to a decision win, and oh my god, could the UFC have gotten any more lucky to now have TAM back with the title and Dillashaw ready for a challenge. Number 3, UFC 280. Now, Sean O'Malley might be the superstar that he says he are these days, but going into his bout with Piotr Jan on this night, a lot of fans were still pretty skeptical of the colorful striker. Sean. Right. The strong lucky guy going on today. I'm a local. He'd had a whole series of weird fights, and fans just weren't 100% yet that he was championship caliber. So what better test than a former champ? The two would have an absolute banger that showed not only was Diabetes Sean ready for the big time, but he was a lot tougher than people had realized. His stock grew massively from that one fight, and wouldn't you know it, it took place right before champ Aljo Sterling beat up a one-armed TJ Dillashaw to retain the title, making the soon-to-be O'Malley matchup after a random Triple C outing, of course, all the more enticing, as Sterling was starting to be considered in the greatest bantamweight of all time discussion. All of this would culminate in the crowning of O'Malley, a moment that could end up being absolutely massive if these guys can keep on winning. Number 2, UFC 49. The biggest issue the UFC normally faces in order to get their next big contender in place for a title shot is that they're going to have to beat some other top-tier fighter to earn that legitimacy, and that's not easy. Luckily, Chuck Liddell already had all the cred he needed, and honestly, having just defeated Tito Ortiz, he really didn't need to fight on this night, but if he could get another awesome win, it would sure go a long way, and so they chose a low-risk opponent in Vernon White. The idea was that this would set up Chuck for a title fight rematch with Randy Couture. Problem was, Randy wasn't champion anymore due to a freak injury against Vitor Belfort. Chuck winning was pretty much a gimme, and sure enough, he got the first round KO. Couture getting his victory wasn't going to be some walk in the park, though. Even so, he would regain the title after a doctor stoppage, which set up one of the most important events in MMA history, UFC 52, with the two biggest stars besides Tito that the promotion had at the time. I love it when a plan comes together. Number 1, UFC 276. These were the outcomes that pretty much everybody was hoping for. Everybody but I'm guessing Sean Strickland and Jared Cannonier. There was no mistake that putting Alex Pereira on the undercard of an Israel Adesanya title fight against one of the division's top contenders was done by the UFC in hopes and wishes for a out between the two former kickboxing rivals. With Alex thrust into this spot in only his third ever UFC bout, it was a big gamble, especially against a guy with the experience and skills of Strickland. Luckily and famously, Sean would have a less than optimal strategy that would result in a huge performance of the night earning KO in the first round. Oh my god, we did it. All we need is for Izzy to do what he does all the time and win. The champ would retain, the outcome was never even in question once it started, but perfectly, it was another performance that had fans wishing someone would bring some serious action to Stylebender. You know, like this Stonehand KO artist who had already knocked the champ out in another sport. The UFC 
was sitting on a gold mine ready to go and ready to promote. Things could not have worked out any more perfectly, especially considering that Alex would win and thus generate a rematch which meant even more money. You know what else is a really cool thing? Luke Taylor for his amazing editing skills on this one. Follow the man on his socials, tell him your favorite brand of gum. But you know who does sponsor us, kind of? Our amazing channel champions that we cannot thank enough. If you'd like to become one too, hit that join button down there. You'll get access to all kinds of cool content. Comment down below some more perfectly lined up fights and have yourself a fantastic day. See you on the next one.